What I want to do this morning is I want to share with you a very familiar story that most that have read in the Bible, because everything that Jesus uh, had give, has given to us, he gave it to us when we went to heaven. And there's a story that really shares this in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. It is a story that many of you have heard. It's a story about what we know as the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. So often in our lives, we believe that it is a story about being good to somebody that is down and out, but we miss the true meaning of this story. And I want to really kind of show you this as it relates to uh, the Holy Spirit and how God ex uh, expects the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And so in the book of Luke, chapter, chapter 10, verse 25, champions, would you read this with me? Would you read it like you know it is the word of his power? Let's read it together now. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, isn't that interesting? Now, we can see here that this is a, uh, someone who asked a question to test him. So his motives were not pure. He had an angle that he was working. But what's interesting, it's a lawyer asking him how to inherit something. Now, how many of you know that uh, if, if anybody ought to know, it should be a lawyer. But notice this. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so he was trying to trick Jesus. And, and, and how many of you know that you don't do anything to inherit something? No, no, no. You, wait to, you either wait till somebody die, your mama and your daddy die, and you inherit all of their wealth. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Or you wait uh, until your grandmother or uncle or aunt or somebody you've been really good to. Uh, but, but that you inherit not because of something you've done, but you inherit because of relationship. But he said, what can I do to inherit? And so it's a trick question that he's asking him. And so, so often we read the Good Samaritan story, but we don't go back to the beginning and begin to look at this. But he says that, you know, what should I do? to inherit eternal life. And then uh, in verse 26, now let's read it through verse 29. Champions, let's read this together now. He said to him, what is written in the law? Now I love Jesus didn't answer his question. He asked him a question. Don't you just get kind of upset when people, and you ask someone a question and then they ask you a question. He's like, you know what, dude, I didn't ask you that question so you can ask me a question. I asked you that question so you can give me an answer. But you know, one of the things I do not like, and I will ask questions to somebody who's asked me a question if they already know the answer when they ask me the question. Then I'll ask them a question when they ask me the question. Okay. So Jesus did not answer him. He asked him a question. He said, what is written in the law? In the law. What is your reading of it, you great lawyer? Let's read verse 27. Let's keep going together now. And so he answered and said... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that interesting that he knows the word? And he knows that uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Let's keep reading together. Now, and he said to him, you have answered rightly, 
Do this and you will live. And so Jesus says, you've answered that rightly. Do it. Do what you just said and live. How many of you know that so often we don't have to learn more of the word? We just have to do the word that we already know. And so Jesus says, do it and you shall live. Or, you do, or we do the word we already know. We shall have the abundant life. He says, do it and you shall live. And, and now here's the trick question. Verse 29. Let's read it together now. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. And someone who wants to justify themselves, they want to prove, that word means to prove that you're right. So he's not looking to get an answer. He's trying to test Jesus, God has an angle so he can prove that he's right. And he was hoping that, okay, say the Jews, say someone that I can get along with. He's just really uh, uh, searching for something to justify that he is Right. And he wants to know, who do I need to love as much as I love myself that you say is my neighbor? Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Come on, champions. Let's read it together now. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, this represents the curse that's identified in Deuteronomy 28. The Bible says that he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when you go down from Jerusalem, <laughs> when you leave Jerusalem, remember he says that I want you to go to Jerusalem. If you don't have the spirit, if you don't have the power, then there are some things that will occur. And so I, I want you to see this. There are three things that happened to this man. Number one, they stripped him of his clothing, which was poverty. They wounded him, which is sickness. And number three, they left him half dead, which is spiritual death. So he wasn't fully dead. He was half dead. Now we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But notice what happened. When this, this man came from Jerusalem to, to Jericho, he fell under the curse. Sickness, poverty, and death. Jesus began to continue telling this parable. Let's read it. Verse 31. Let's start it reading. Let's read it together. Now, now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Stop right there. What did he pour on? He poured on what? He poured on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal brought him to an inn and took, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Verse 36, so which, now notice what Jesus, now Jesus tells this story 
And Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And so often we're thinking about, wow, you know what we're supposed to do is help the one that's in the street. And this is the parable of Jesus' story. But that's not what he's talking about here. It's, it, it's, it's, we should help those. We should give to others. We should give alms. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Why? Because he, he's not talking about the man on the street. He says, which of the three that passed by is his neighbor? Not the man, <laughs> but which of the three that passed by is your neighbor? And he said, this is what the lawyer said, and he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Isn't that the same thing that he told him when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself? And he says, you know, do that and you'll live. And then Jesus tells this parable, and when he tells this parable, he says, now, uh, this man understands it, and he says that, you know, the one who showed mercy is his neighbor, and he says that go and do likewise. Now, so this man is asking, who's my neighbor? That's the question that he initially asked Jesus. And Jesus said to him, of the three that passed by, who's, who, who's, who's the neighbor? And so what this does is this deals with our whole, the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because the one that fell from, uh, from Jerusalem, he, the Bible says he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he went down, uh, this relates to the beginning with Adam. And let me just kind of tie this together. Adam was in that place that God had created and told him to live. But then Adam fell. And whenever you go down from Jerusalem, he started out, and when he went down, he fell among thieves, he, and the thief is Satan. And so what happens is that God said this, but they move over and they begin to entertain what God did not say not to do. God told him that, I want you to eat of every tree of the garden, and every tree is good for you, but there's one tree that I don't want you to eat of, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so now they started looking at what God said that they should not have, desiring it. And then what happened? They go from Jerusalem to, uh, to fall in the place of Satan and then began to be tempted by the enemy. And when they ate, they fell. And notice what, what happened when, when, when uh, Adam and uh, Eve ate of the fruit. They were stripped. The Bible says they were naked. Before they were, they were naked and unashamed, now they were ashamed. So they were stripped. Uh, the second thing that we see is, is that um, there was sickness. Because the, he said, you shall surely die. But he didn't die physically right away. But the moment that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began to die. They died spiritually separated from God. And it took them almost a little over 900 years to die physically. So, so notice this, this man was half dead, so Adam and Eve was half dead. They were dead spiritually, but physically they were alive. And then uh, it, it talks about sickness, and so over a period of time, sickness learned how to invade the body that God had created to live forever. And these three things Jesus is wrapping up in this particular story, because the Bible says that uh, they took off his clothes they wounded him. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. Our, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. And the third thing is spiritual death. 
And so when they left him half dead, they thought he was dead, but he was only half dead. They thought he was dead, but he was only half dead. They thought he was dead, but he was only half dead. See, he was spiritually dead, but he wasn't physically dead. Mm. And so what happens now? The Bible tells us that uh, when Adam was uh, in the garden, the Bible says in the, this word, uh, die, in the, in the uh, Hebrew, it, it's, it's mentioned two times, and it really refers to dying, you shall die. So dying spiritually and then dying physically. And so when Adam and, and, and Eve began to eat, they, after they ate, they, ate, they, separate, they, said they died spiritually being separated from God. And then the enemy had access to their lives. And so what we do is that we recognize that we have the story of the beginning of when man fell. And Jesus is telling this parable right now to a lawyer who asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him that there was a priest that came. And this priest passed on the other side. Then there was a Levite that came, and this Levite came, looked at him, and then passed onto the other side. The priest represented the law. Uh, the Levite represented the law. The reason that they passed on the other side is because the law could not help them. These were uh, elements of worship under the law. The law could not help them. The law could only show them how bad they were. But there was a Samaritan that came along. And when the Samaritan came along, the Samaritan looked at him, and then the Samaritan uh, began to care for him or showed compassion toward him. And as the Samaritan did that, the Bible says he picked him up, he cleaned him, and he put oil and wine on him. The oil represents the the, the anointing, the spirit of God. And, and the wine represents the power. <laughs> and it's referred to as the Holy Spirit. Notice what happened. God says that you cannot put new, uh, new wine in old wineskins. Why? It's because if a wineskin has been used before and you just leave it out, it's going to get all cracked up. So what do you do? You rub the oil in it. And you reuse the wineskin, but only after you've treated it with the anointing. And God is showing us here what he does in our own lives. When we accept Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes. The anointing of God comes and began to massage people that have been stricken in poverty, in sickness, and half dead. And by that, Jesus, the Spirit of God, comes on the inside of us, and we become brand new creatures, and we have a brand new life. But then after that, the wine comes. The wine represents the baptism of the Holy Ghost, where the power of God comes on the inside of us. And when we walk in the Holy Spirit, then what, what, what that means is that we begin to pray. Or when we pray, we're not praying to the level of our own understanding. We're praying to the level of his understanding. It encourages us. It strengthens us. And God has given us an example of the type and shadow of the Old Testament, but the fullness of it in the New Covenant. So he says that he takes him to the end. Notice this. He picks him up. He's living under the curse. He rubs uh, uh, oil on him and, and wine, and he takes him to the end. And he, tells, he takes him to the inn. What does the inn represent? The kingdom. It represents the church. And he tells the innkeeper, I want you to take care of him. 
And, 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 and here's two denaro. In the Bible, one denaro represented a full, full day's pay. Two denaro represented a, a two days of pay. The, Peter tells us that one day in the presence of God is like a thousand years, 2,000 years. Jesus said that when I come back, that if I owe you anything else, that I will pay you. See, see, we are the innkeepers as well. The church, the kingdom is the end. We are the innkeepers. And when we recognize that, what we see here is that Jesus asked him, so who is the neighbor? And you know what this man said? It's the one who showed mercy, the one who showed compassion upon him. <laughs> you know what Jesus says? I'm the neighbor. I'm the one you love. I'm the one you love with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. And when you love me, you love your neighbor. And when you love me, you love your neighbor and the anointing flows and the power of the spirit flows in your life. So we come to a place where we recognize that in the picture of the New Testament, when Jesus was being baptized, the Bible says that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three Trinity was in the same place at the same time for the first time in the New Testament. Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. The Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So the Father is there. Then the Holy Spirit becomes, comes down and it begins to dwell on him, to rest upon him. In the Old Testament, it would come upon them. They would do great feats and it would go off of them. It would come upon them and they'll do something great and it would come, uh, go off of them. But then under the New Covenant, it came and it dwelled on the inside of us. And, and, and so we always have that power with us. So when the spirit uh, landed upon Jesus and he came out of that water, he moved out and began to do miracles, signs, and wonders. And in the book of Acts, when the beginning of, on Pentecost Day, at the beginning of the church, he says that I want you to go and I want you to wait for the spirit and you shall be endued with power. When they got the Holy Spirit, they walked out of that place and they began to do miracles, signs, and wonders. It's the same today. That the Holy Spirit has come upon us and God has not given you a spirit of fear, of timidity, but God expects you to operate in that same power, that same anointing, that same healing, that same working of miracles that the early church did in the book of Acts chapter 2. And then also that Jesus did when, when he walked into the earth in his ministry.